Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. I'm TJ Majors. This is Brent Griffin. Get ready. Be ready. Be ready. Big flag. Give me what you got here. New leader. I'll watch out for this guy. White flag. Recognize. Go low. Go low. Clear. Bring home. Three wide. Coming to the line. Doors. Door Bumper Clear fans, we've got a treat for you. Enjoy this special edition episode taped live from the Pocono Raceway fan stage at the fanfare ahead of last Sunday's Gander RV 400. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Pocono Raceway. Uh, We have a very special thing happening right now. We have, live from Door Bumper Clear, we have TJ and Brett. Everyone know who TJ Brett is? How are you guys doing today? I know who they are. Good. Well, I'm going to let you guys talk a little bit. I'm going to go around here and see if I can find some fans to ask you some questions. But feel free to chat a little bit, and we'll come back to you here in a minute. How are you guys doing out there? Y'all look like a rowdy crowd. People in Pennsylvania know how to party, right? Fast cars, tequila, race day. I mean... There you go. So I'm Brett Griffin, spot for uh, Clint Boyer on Sundays uh, with my cohort here, uh, Mr. TJ Majors. Yeah, I'm TJ. I spot for uh, Joey Logano. Got one fan here I see. Stands out pretty easily. Um, Ben Rose in the truck sometimes. And, uh, yeah, should be a fun day. The weather's perfect here. It's windy, kind of cloudy, got some sun. Um, Great weekend for camping. I don't know if any of you guys are camping here or not. Looks like a great weekend for that. The infield's packed. You got uh, got to see Tim Duggar here, um, up and coming singer there. My uh, I did beat him 106 to three in a football game on Madden one time, and that felt really good. But um, yeah, it should be a good race. Yeah, we uh, so TJ and I do a, a podcast every Monday, Door Bumper Clear on Dirty Mo Media, which is obviously owned by a guy that's you probably heard of, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, TJ grew up obviously friends with him, uh, met online right in the sim world. Yeah, playing video games. That's uh, that's taken off, man. What do you think about video games being uh, broadcasted on TV now? It was different. I was excited to kind of see how it went. Um, obviously, that 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 area of the sport seems to be growing. Um, you know, and it's there's a lot of kids that can't afford to race, and that's their that's their way to race. So I think it's cool that teams are getting involved. Now we have some kids that probably weren't going to have an opportunity to race real cars get chances of driving video games i'm not you know i don't know if it's necessarily a breeding ground for bringing kids up into the racing world but you know it's definitely interesting to see uh another aspect of the sport this guy with a make america great again hat on is drinking out of binoculars have you ever seen that before 
I got to remember that one, man. We uh, we could spot with those binoculars, make our race a hell of a lot more fun. <laughs> you, you're not you're not going to believe this, but I actually I actually have a pair of them. I don't believe that. I know you don't. They're still in the box. <laughs> Bring um, them to me. I'll use them. <laughs> yeah, I got them as a gift one time, and yeah, that's that's pretty nice. We look really committed to our job sitting on the airplane after the race with our binoculars on, and when nobody's looking, drink straight to yeah, out of them. I, well, I like that he's got the, uh, what do you call that thing? The pink thing. The the lay? Is that what yeah, that's well, called? Yeah, I like how you mix that with the, the binoculars. Yeah, mine was too. Which one? Both? <laughs> I guess it's acceptable. <laughs> so yeah, this uh, this is obviously the first time we've done a live um, a live broadcast. <laughs> yeah, so Kevin reached out to uh, Mike Davis with uh, Dirty Mo Media and said he wanted to do this. So this was all Kevin Haney's idea standing out there. And I've known Kevin a long time. He uh, used to be in the garage with us every week. He was smart enough to get off the full time schedule. And come here to Pocono and just work uh, a few weekends a year. And, and, and look, Kevin still travels around. I still see him in Charlotte in January, the media tour. But uh, anything that you guys see happening in our sport, like a podcast, like us coming out here today, obviously Tim Duggar playing, that stuff that this sport and the racetracks are doing for the fans to give you guys something to do, give you some entertainment. And to be honest with you, uh, at 20 years old, I was standing where you guys were standing out there. I was in college and a big race fan and got lucky enough to get in. So I uh, feel pretty honored, honestly, to be sitting up here today. Yeah. Thank you. I got yeah. I got applauded. A standing <laughs> ovation right there. <laughs> well, yeah. So this is uh, at twenty. I don't. I don't think I had drank a beer yet. So, oh, um, yeah, you missed no. out. Yeah. Um, at twenty, I was still living with my parents. So yeah, you, yeah, you screwed up again. No, oh, not really. It was so cheap. <laughs> it was free. Um, yeah, stay at home as long as you can. It's a lot cheaper that way. Um, unless you're my kids at eighteen, you need to go. Um, but yeah, you know, the hardest, I went from living at home with my parents to a house a quarter mile up the road from Dale Jr. And that was a, that was a lifestyle change. Um, yeah. That, what year was that? Uh, 2001. Yeah, Dale Jr. was partying hard in 2001. I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> so yeah, it was a bit of a lifestyle change, but you know, you never, uh, you never know what kind of turns, you know, like you're going to get in life and you probably didn't see yourself becoming a spotter. No. Uh, I told I mean, somebody this morning, so back with the Wood Brother days, which is where I got my start in 1999, um, before I was a spotter, I was a PR guy. And Eddie Wood, who is obviously one of the Wood Brothers, said to me, we hand the dumbest guy on the team a radio and tell him to go spot. And two years later, we had a situation where the, the full-time spotter couldn't come in, and he handed me a radio and said, hey, you're spotting today. And I was like, well, I don't think I really want to hear those words. Um, but nonetheless, it's been a hell of a run for me. I think this is my 18th or 19th season full-time on the roof. Been very fortunate to win in all three series, win some fun races. And probably the coolest part, and, and TJ can attest to this, is I've been able to win with a lot of really close friends. Elliot Sadler, Clint Boyer, Jeff Burton was a mentor of mine. Um, worked with Dale Jarrett, never won a race with him. But to be able to, to, to work and show up for work with guys that you look up to and are really close friends with is something that not everybody gets to do in our sport. So I've been very lucky there. Yeah, you know, I got to do the last 10 races with Dale Jr. at DEI in the, in the Bud 8 car. And that was a lot of fun, but you know we went to Hendrick and immediately won the um, we won our duel that year. We won the sh the Saturday race, the All Star, the shootout, whatever you yep. wanted to call it. Um, we've won a lot of we've won a lot of fun races. Martinsville's great to win. You've got to win there. Uh, winning here twice in one year is kind of cool to take a broom. You know, we get on the airplane after the race and we got a broom with us because we won both races here, which was awesome. You know the. 
It, one cool thing about here is when you're up on the roof and when we took the lead in them races, you could literally hear the crowd below you and see everybody cheering. And there was a lot of um, a lot of videos that came out of people in the grandstands with their cell phones, you know, and throwing their hats and stuff and celebrating. So a lot of great race fans, race fans here in Pocono. And it was a lot of fun to win here twice, with you know, in the same year to say you swept somewhere. So it, yeah. a lot of fun. We won, uh, I think it was the inaugural truck race here with Elliot Sadler. It was only 50 laps, and I thought it was one of the best races I've ever seen here. We were battling Denny Hamlin, Casey Kane, obviously the normal truck guys out there. The, but, man, to, uh, to be able to come here, like I said, I mean, I grew up as a kid watching Tim Richmond and a lot of really famous race car drivers race here, so it's a, it's a cool place for us to come. And for you guys, it's all about the racing and all about, you know, the personalities and the sport. But for us, it's all about really the fans because without you guys, we don't get to do this. Yeah, and Pocono has been great. You know, I, there's only one way into the tunnel here. So you come through the tunnel, and every it's year it's the you, best tunnel in, it, in NASCAR. Yeah, it's the prettiest. You, it is the prettiest. So you come through there, and it's just it's just camper after camper, and it it's always. Um, I actually got to come here when I was young one time. It was the the year Rusty Wallace got black flag for jumping the start. I don't oh, yeah. know. That was in the mid '90s at some point. But I um we got here really early Sunday morning, and I found a group of people that were walking around, and. Uh, I saw a lot of um, great things. Um, it was a really fun time. The first time I came here, we went to this bar right down the street called Shenanigans. No way. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. There was a little <laughs> dance club beside it called Baby Boomers. If you got kids, cover your ears. And we literally sat in this bar and played a like card game. And uh, I, the next day was one of the worst days of my life at a racetrack. I'd never been so hungover and sweating. And it was like 100 degrees out here. Uh, but fortunately, it was a Saturday, and I didn't have to work a whole lot. But that was uh, I'll never forget my first trip to Pocono. Yeah, I don't. That was my first trip to Pocono that year that we came here Sunday morning. But um, I really always enjoy coming here. Uh, race is always exciting because it's you can you can pit here without losing a lap. So that kind of changes up the pit strategy. And the crew chiefs, crew chiefs here have it a really tough job. You know, now with the stage racing and stuff, do you take stage points or do you set yourself up for track position? So uh, a lot of exciting things come today, and um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Kevin, you got any questions out there, man? I do. Actually, the first one I'm going to go with, and then we'll get into the fans, is uh, Perfect. 2020. 2020. We just announced. What year is it? Uh, it's 2019, okay. but 2020 NASCAR doubleheader weekend. Four races in two days, plus an ARCA race on Thursday, so technically five races in four days. Um, from a spotter perspective, you guys will be up there a long time. How do you mentally prepare for upwards of 500 to... 550 uh, miles between two different series in one day. Well, I could mentally prepare a lot more if you'd put a roof on that thing. Just so you know. Give us a now little just, shade, Kevin. I'm just Come saying. on. Yeah, uh, now Pocono you... President Ben May and Nick Adolski <laughs> for listening to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's been a request from uh, TJ Majors. Yeah, a little, just a little shade. Like one of the most shades they put at the parks where your kids play and stuff. But uh, I don't know. It just all depends on how the track's going to be. You know, the PJ1 kind of throws, you know, changes things up a little bit. Um, where cars might run, but Every series kind of drives a little bit differently here, so I don't think you really mentally prepare. You just might hydrate yourself more with water. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I think, first of all, and I've said this on the podcast, for a NASCAR fan, there's no better value in 2020 than, than to come to Pocono Raceway because you're going to get two cup races in one weekend, obviously multiple qualifying sessions, multiple series. It really doesn't get any better than what Pocono has an opportunity to put on for you guys next year. But, yeah, I mean, to TJ's point, the busier we are up there, um, the more fun it is, right? So when we have a lot of downtime, yesterday I had a four-hour break between practice 
and qualifying and you know i get bored to death you're trying to take a nap and exercise and do whatever you do right so the busier it is for us the better and, and to tj's point man just do what you guys do put on a lot of sunscreen and drink a lot of water if i were y'all i wouldn't be drinking water but yeah you know i was gonna saying. say who are you kidding <laughs> All right, we have a question here, and I'll preface this. Uh, this gentleman just walked up to me, and you were talking about your first events here, and he just said his uh, first underage being carded here was uh, Pocono Raceway. So uh, there's the intro for you. What do you got for him? So my mom used to work shenanigans, and I don't know my dad. No, I'm just Hey, sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, there's a little wooded lot right behind yeah. there. So <laughs> you look like Brett. Her name wasn't Jen, was it? Hey. Look at this. <laughs> you got a gap between your two? <laughs> yeah, we got yeah. it. You're hey, oh, my gosh. So <laughs> we're never coming back. <laughs> so, dude, you're not going to get me to not go there. I'll go there all day long with you. I'm, yeah, I'm, of course. I'm, I'm from South Carolina. <laughs> so with uh, with a lot of ex- – oh, this is for Brett. But um, with Ross Chastain having a lot of success, and uh, I know you've worked with Ross, if he uh, goes to a full-time ride in Xfinity, will you be spotting for him and working with him, or is that – like, do you work through Colleague or do you work through Ross? So I actually own a company. I've got the hat on. Be First is, uh, is my marketing company. And part of what we try to do is go secure sponsorship and bring it to teams and drivers, right? So Ross Chastain has won four of the last eight truck races. One of them he got disqualified. But nonetheless, he crossed the finish line first. The kid is on fire. But we've got a great sponsor that we're working with. Um, if he goes to full-time in Xfinity right now, when he runs an Xfinity car for Colleague, I spot for it. We won Daytona, uh, one of our better performances together. Obviously, he led the most laps, 49 laps, won the race. It would be my wish probably to uh, to go full-time, man, but I'm 44 years old. I've been doing this a long time. I'm not real sure how much longer I'm going to keep spotting full-time. You know, maybe a, a year, maybe two, but I'm, I'm getting to the end of my window, man. I've got a little boy that's six, and I'd much rather be spending some weekends with him, watching him play football and baseball and basketball, and he's a pretty good little hip-hop dancer, you know, so uh, you never know what the future's going to hold. But I'm telling you guys, Ross Chastain, is a blue-collar badass. He's the real deal. He's a watermelon farmer from Georgia. Um, he's not one of these spoon-fed kids that the dad's paying his way through this series. He, he's earning every freaking opportunity he gets. Um, when Elliot retired last year, I'd been with Elliot Sadler for 20 years. When he retired, uh, my heart was telling me to retire. And, and by retire, it meant get off the roof, going about your, your, every, you know, your day job, right? So because of my relationship with Clint and how good of friends we are, I couldn't leave him hanging. He was in the last year of a contract. You know, we'd won two races last year. He's a hard guy to spot for. Like, he's a really fun personality, but he has ADD worse than any human being I've ever met. So you really have to stay on top of him. Um, so my wish would be certainly to, to go out with Clint. But if he goes and signs a five-year deal, probably not. I don't think I've got five years left in me. And plus, uh, you know, we, they call it Brett Active for a reason. You know the radioactive he's, he's show. He's talking about radioactive, yeah. which I never listen to that. I'm, <laughs> That's because I, I wouldn't listen to it if it was all me either. <laughs> uh, we have a question right here from Julie. Julie has a question for both of you. Go right ahead. So TJ, first of all, did you, when uh, Dale Jr. released Driver Number Eight, the book, did you have anything to do with that? And second of all, Brett, at what point during the race do you unleash those kneecaps and unzip those pants? <laughs> he's got he's got the widest legs you could imagine. They're as wide as you imagine. <laughs> um, I wasn't a part of writing or anything, but I, I found my name is in it. Um, I was always wondered what that guy, the guy's name was Jade Gers, the guy that wrote the book. He would always be around, and I'd always see him typing on his computer. And I didn't know he was writing a book because this was right around 
um, right around when I first moved to North Carolina. Probably like 2002 or something, right? Yeah, it was not long after I moved to North Carolina. And I always saw this guy, and he was always on his computer. And I'm like, what is this guy doing all the time? And then I find out later that he's releasing the book, and then I, I was he told me that he had showed me that you know he put me in there one night whenever i was over at dell jr's house but um yeah i didn't have anything to do with writing it but maybe just contributed to a story or two in it i try to leave my pants fully engaged until after the race for wherever you went with that question <laughs> i got a question here let me get the mic for you hold on hold on hold on one sec here we go what's your name Brittany my Gavigan. one of them my guys name is Brittany Gavigan. who is that guy in the shell pencil p- picture Right what picture? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. who are you? He's Brett. I'm Dale Jr., Brendan Gavgan, Brendan Gavgan. He's Dale Jr., he said. You have a yeah. question for these guys? My name is Brendan Gavgan, the world's famous NASCAR fan. I've seen Dale Jr. sweat Pocono, Truex, and Blaney. Who are you? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the spotter for Joey Logano. He's I worked, Joey Logano. I worked with Dale Jr. until he retired. Oh, yeah. I've seen Dale Jr.'s sweat Pocono since 2014, man. Yeah, that was a fun year. Good stuff, man. We have a question. Anyone other questions? All right, I'll keep the question if going. That's what I guess TJ's going to start singing, yeah. and this won't go well. He's yeah. going to start doing one. He's going to start dancing. He's going to start break dancing. If, no, if that starts happening, it's, I mean, it definitely helps with the tent and the cover that you eat if up If that top. starts happening, i yes. got to remove the sponsor stuff because I don't <laughs> that might get bad. <laughs> uh, I guess the next question for you is, so the intricacies of Pocono, right? It's basically a mile all the way down to turn two. Um, it's definitely the furthest distance, I feel like, that you guys see. I know Talladega is 2.66, but... It's definitely the furthest way from where you are. Um, what what do you do to prepare for this type of an event as opposed to where you just were last weekend in New Hampshire? I don't know if you really prepare for it any differently. You just can't see. You know, it's really hard. At Talladega and Daytona, there's a dog leg, so the cars, you kind of have a little bit of depth perception on where the cars are. Um, here, it's like a runway, and you're right up on the edge of it. You're looking down there, and we have conversations with our drivers most of the time, I mean, you'll tell the driver before the race, look, out of three, it's hard for me to tell when the guy's clear and into one. I can't tell if you're, you know, we got spun out one time here. Uh, we had something going on. This is a great on. story. Yeah, this is uh, pretty good. I was working with Dale Jr. here, and we were, something happened, and we got back about 28th, something like that, and we go down into turn one. And I told him before the race, and many of you know how animated he can be. Uh, I told him before the race, look, when you get to one, I can't tell if the guy's inside of you, so you're going to have to use your side mirror. Well, we get down there, and we get spun out by Cole Witt, and, you know, and <laughs> he gets done spinning. No, we don't get any damage or anything. Well, we get rolling again, and, and uh, he's just, you know, he come on the radio. He's like, oh, was there a car down there? And I just, I straight up told him, like, I don't know, man. You're like a mile away from me. I guess there was. And he never really got mouthy back or anything. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's it's hard for me to tell. You know, I tell them before the race, but I don't know. Was there a car there? Well, I mean, you got spun out. So there was a car there. Probably. Yeah. Uh, you, can't, you can't tell. Like, when they turn off into the corner, you are hoping. When they turn off into the corner, you can't tell until you get just a little bit of an angle where the next guy is compared to your bumper. So it's really challenging here. Um, a lot of people will put spotters down towards turn one to let you know if your guy you know if you're clear or not so um but yeah it's you you see the pictures of the one of the greatest camera shots on the on the tour we you know we do is the the guy that stands there at the end of the front stretch shooting shooting up the front stretch when we're five or six wide that is 
um, it's crazy. It's not it's not enjoyable as a spotter at that point, but um, yeah. So a lot of things can go wrong. Yeah, here in Phoenix, there are two hardest tracks to spot at. And like you said, Kevin, I mean, they're almost a mile away from us going off into one. And on these restarts with this new package, they're four, five, six wide, and there's only two lanes down there, maybe two and a half since you guys put the PJ1 down. But um, probably the best thing you can do is just pray, hope they come out the other end, because until they actually turn left, we're guessing. I mean, we're saying inside, outside, hold your line, clear, I hope, and it's uh, it's a little bit of a guessing game down there. You have an idea, but you're not 100%, not 100%. sure. And that's a, very un- that's a very uneasy feeling as a spotter. You don't really... You don't clear your guy until you know 100% he's clear. And when you can't do that, it's like, you know, we go to a road course next week. We're going to see our guys for about 25 seconds, if that, and then we're going to lose them for about 40 seconds. And when, when you're on the other end of that, you're just listening. And it's a really, really uneasy. It's a really uneasy feeling as a spotter because most time you're in control. You know where your car's at. You know where it's getting ready to be. You know what you're around. And when they go out of your sight, and it's, just, it's very uneasy as a spotter. Then you hear this motorhome driver go, inside, outside, three wide. And you're like, yeah. hey, uh, he just came by here, and I don't think you're looking at the right car. Yeah. You ever spotted the wrong car? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> when Elliot got out of the M&M's thing. car it and he happens. got into the Dodge car um, with Everham, he was in the 19, I spotted that M&M's car for a couple weeks, man. Yeah. I uh, I spotted the wrong car at Darlington one time with Dell Jr. We, were, uh, we went down in a three, and I didn't. I just glanced down there. I looked at a car in front of us, and I glanced back, and I saw two cars side by side, and I thought it was us. So I started calling outside, outside, and we're still 10 car lengths behind that guy. Nobody's near us, and he's up against the wall. So it was, it was completely impossible for someone to be outside of him. I did the same thing at Richmond. We won the Xfinity race in Richmond uh, a couple years ago when he, when he did that, and I spotted for Allgaier all year. So I was used to looking at a bright fluorescent seven. Well, we were in front of Justin about half a straightaway, and Justin was passing somebody, and I just started calling outside again. And I, I looked, and Dell Jr. to start finish line. He swerves left. Once again, it's completely impossible for somebody to be on the outside of him. And he hung a hard left, which I, I started laughing at that point because I'm like, well, at least I know he listens to me sometimes. But, uh, yeah, that was um, – it's not, it's not something you want to claim too often to spot the wrong car. It's easier. It's easier said than done, though. It is. Once the mic is back on, we got two final questions here. Awesome. We got Rob here. Rob, go ahead. Uh, as a spotter, what are the hardest tracks for you guys to spot? So besides this track, what else you got? But you yeah, mentioned for Phoenix. sure, yeah, for sure here in Phoenix. But man, the thing is, Indy. Indy. In, in terms of what we actually do to provide, I guess, meaningful information to the driver, it's where the cars run the closest together. So that's obviously Talladega, Daytona, Bristol, Martinsville. Anytime you see the cars on top of each other, our role increases because there's a lot of information to be given to try to help make them make blocks, find faster lanes around the racetrack, and navigate traffic misrecs. So anywhere the cars run closer together is where we're the most important. Yeah, I'd say he's right. You know, here is really hard down into turn one. Phoenix, Phoenix is kind of Phoenix. It's probably a little easier than this just because we're so used to it where we're at, and at least they're closer to you, and you can kind of see a little bit. Indy's pretty hard. Indy's getting more challenging if you've got the backside of the track, if you've got turn two and three. Um, we stand on the pagoda at Indy, and you have to have a second spotter kind of do half the track, and these pine trees on the backstretch by the golf course have gotten so big, they're starting to, they're starting to block out pieces of the backstretch, so you can't you know, it's hard for to tell. It's hard to tell when guys get runs and stuff. So that's becoming increasingly, increasingly harder. But uh, yeah, definitely those three. 
question here. Your name, sir? Uh, my name is Clayton. I got a question really for both of you. But for TJ, what's the biggest difference between uh, Logano and Earnhardt? And, and for both of you, like, when you guys change drivers from series to series, how difficult is that? And what kind of preparation do you guys do for that? Great um, questions. It was pretty different. Dell Jr. didn't like any talking in the corners. I don't know if you ever listened to him. If you say something in the corner, he would definitely let you know it. Um, you know, there's been – luckily, I'm – I guess it's different when you're good friends with him because, it, you know, me and Joey have never had an incident at all. Uh, but me and Dell Jr. Had a, had a few silent car rides home. Um, I wanted to fight him a few times, but... Um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but then I realized I needed to ride home, so I didn't, you know... I don't know. It, he just... You didn't talk to him in the corner. Joey likes a ton of info all the time. He wants to know where guys are running what lanes they're in, how far they are back, where they're, if they're finding speed. He likes every little bit of info you can give him, which is great because I, it's easy. You like doing that as a spotter. You like giving info the guy can use, and it's, it makes you makes, uh, makes feel like you're helping more when you can give him info to do that. But, you know, Dell Jr. was more of a little – he liked a lot of info, but just not in certain parts of the track. Uh, you know, even at big tracks like Michigan – we got into a big argument one time at Michigan, and he, you know, he told me to stop clearing him, getting down to the corner. Well, I did, and then he about come up and wrecked a guy, and he asked why I didn't tell me he was out there, and I said because you told me not to, and I, I didn't talk for about thirty laps, and Tony Jr. was crew chiefing him at the time, Tony Erie Jr. and I got so mad, I, I almost left the roof that I, I was still listening to stuff, but they're texting me, hey, are you still up there? Hey, you're still there, right? Hey, you're still there. I'm like, yes, but I, I'm not talking to that whatever you want to call him. Um, but, yeah, Joey just Joey likes a ton of info, and he can use it. So you just give as much as you can. And then, Brett, just to follow up with what his last question was, how do you guys prepare, basically, for an event weekend? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the biggest thing when you're switching drivers, man, is you want to you wanna do your job to what they need to hear, right? Because everybody's different. Like you said, what Dell Jr. wanted, what Joey Lagana wanted are different. I thought Elliot was needy, and then I met Clint Boyer. Uh, Clint's a lot more needy than Elliot ever thought about being uh, and, and he requires a lot of the same stuff that 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 you know joy does but with clint you're also playing dr phil and you're playing cheerleader <laughs> i was guy. gonna say clint needs and a lot of radio hugs spotter guy yeah and uh yeah so he's just he's a lot to manage man but i think the the, the thing that and, and i don't want to come off as arrogant when i say this but tj and i have both had a lot of uh, uh luck and and a lot of success at restrictor plate races across multiple series and i think when that happens you know, drivers tend to want to keep that information the same. I've never spotted a, a spotted a plate race different for anybody. I've always just kind of done it my way, and it's always worked. So I, I think what's probably made TJ and I desirable in that garage was probably our plate racing. Yeah, even like I work with Ben Rose in the truck series, and I spot differently for Ben than I do. Ben's more of a, you know, more of a young guy you're trying to teach, and Joey – Joey's more of a just give him. He already knows the ins and outs, so he just he just wants the info. Well, speaking of desirable, I think you both are very desirable. I appreciate you guys coming you. up here and hanging out with us for this afternoon. Thanks. Good luck in today's race. Thanks for stopping by the fan stage and hanging out with these guys. Everybody, TJ and Brett from Thank Door Thanks, Kevin, for putting Thank this you. together. This wouldn't yeah. happen without Thank Kevin. Thank all you so. guys for being here. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling out in style. These, these Penn State fans are annoying. <laughs> Go Cox. See you guys. Thank Have you guys. Thank you.
What is OfferPad? We're the new way homes are sold. We're your online home buyer. OfferPad is the modern selling solution with a human touch that lets you skip all the traditional headaches. Selling to OfferPad means no showings, you pick your closing day, and we'll even move you locally for free. Go to OfferPad.com, enter basic information about your home, and the next day, we'll send you a great offer. It's free and there's no obligation. We want to buy your home. So request your offer today. OfferPad. Move freely. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.